Welcome everyone to our Ananda Sunday service and a special welcome to all our guests and visitors. I also would like to congratulate the students of the recent Ananda Yoga Teacher Training Course that graduated today. May you take these blessings that you've received in this time and share it with many, many others. And finally, Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Not only to those that are mothers in this lifetime, but really to each and one of us, um, that we feel on this day a special blessing of Divine Mother's presence in our hearts and in every part of who we are. I'd like to read to you from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda with commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. Today's reading is The Secret of Right Action. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. One of the most famous stories in the Gospels is that of Martha and Mary. Jesus, visiting the home of Martha, was teaching while her sister Mary sat at his feet, absorbing his divine love and wisdom. Martha, meanwhile, busied herself with serving her guests and was upset with Mary for not helping her. Lord, she cried, doesn't it matter to you that my sister has left me to do all this serving alone? Please ask her to help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus answered, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. This story is classic, for Martha's complaint is very understandable, and not on the surface of it, spiritually wrong. Jesus may well have said to Mary to get up and help, have told Mary to get up and help. We don't really know that he didn't, consider it as he always was of others' needs. But the teaching here doesn't concern the obvious dilemma of devotees, to work for God or to spend all one's time in prayer. It concerns rather the attitude of the mind. Jesus didn't tell Martha, Martha, you are doing too much. He told her, rather, you are letting your work affect your inner peace. That was the contrast. Not work versus contemplation, but restless preoccupation versus peaceful absorption under all circumstances. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the second chapter, actions performed under the influence of desire are greatly inferior to those which are guided by wisdom. Happiness eludes people when they act from self-interest. Seek shelter, therefore, in the equanimity of wisdom. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. So would like to welcome you all. It's a joy to share this Sunday service with you. And I'll begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity, Paramahansa Yogananda's Prayer Demands and Inspired Poems. This one's very short. Demand for calmness in activity. Father, teach me to be calmly active and actively calm. Let me become a prince of peace 
sitting on the throne of inner poise as I direct my kingdom of activity. So this topic is an interesting one, and and I was thinking about it just uh, whenever we read that. There's a lot of thought out there that, well, of course it's divided, it's black and white, and of course it's just activity or inner communion, inwardness. And many people uh, today, even people that come here, um, tend to see things in that way. It's a black and white and kind of a holdover from Kali Yuga of looking at, well, either you're outward or you're inward. And really, even for all of us in our own daily lives, we can tend to be doing that by habit rather than really trying to combine those two, which I thought, you know, that's what Master, what Paramhansa Yogananda really came to bring. It's one of the core parts of his mission and his teaching is how you are a channel for that divine all the time. And you know the other part that I just want to mention is that the spiritual path is always progressive. It's always going from where you're at and progressing little by little by little. So it's not that, oh, well, now I'm a balanced person, or now I do outward things, but I'm God-centered. It's always in motion. And so I say that because don't become um, uh, despairing about who you are and where you are. Everyone is in their own place. That's simply how it is. We can't be in another place. And we have to begin from that place to start to integrate into our own consciousness as it is, and we have to see it clearly, honestly, and we have to start integrating in, in the way that we use our willpower, but also in the way that's inspiring to us, we integrate in that God consciousness. And really, it's the secret of right activity, but it's also... God consciousness versus restlessness. And boy, oh boy, do we ever live in a restless age. <laughs> and it's really, it's great spiritually because it's so clear that it's really restless. It's not just sort of restless, it's really restless. And we all can see that and make the appropriate choices in our lives of what will lead us to God consciousness all the time. That is the goal. We're not there yet. We're still in progress, a work in progress, but we want to go in that direction. And so we can begin to make the choices that will lead us there and not to absentmindedly or out of habit keep making choices that keep it either a mix or really restless. You know, we all wonder, why am I restless in meditation? Well, think about it. (laughs) Really figure out, why am I restless in meditation? What in my life, whether it's how I'm approaching my work, whether it's relationships, whether it's food, whether it's 
whatever it is, technology could be, um, whatever it is, try to really become more aware of what that is that's keeping that restlessness there at the same time that you go toward being centered more in God all the time, in activity and in meditation. Um, In the year, I think it was around 2005, um, there was a wonderful exhibit at the Sackler Gallery in part of the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, D.C., and it was called Puja. Uh, It was based on a book written by a man who had, uh, Pranaba actually was in Washington, D.C. then, and uh, was able to see it. I didn't get to see it, but I did buy the book. And the book is called Meeting God. And it's, um, it's by a man who was Christian, I think from the Midwest, uh, went to India over a period of 20 years, and just got into studying all the different forms that puja, that worship of God, and meeting God would take in India. Seemed to have some special connection with India, although not uh, following any particular spiritual path there. I think he was Christian, and uh, but very familiar with it, and very respectful of what was happening there. And so he did this for a long period of time. And the book is wonderful. It's got pictures and write-ups, and it covers all different forms of worship. Very uh, sweet to see. But one of them, and I believe this is the one that he talked about, was unique in that it was villagers, small village in India, that worshipped the nub of a tree. And this was where Divine Mother came to them. And it had been going on for a long, long time, covered with vermilion, beautiful cloths, And each year, they had a special time in that village when they would invite the Devi, the spirit of Divine Mother, into the tree. And so he was invited to this special ceremony, which was a big thing. I mean, they didn't have any outsiders there. It was very sacred to them. And while he was there, and during this ceremony, he actually experienced the spirit of Divine Mother coming into that tree and into that ceremony and into that village. And it really literally changed his life. But for all of us, as we, I was thinking, as we go about our daily life, there's both just the daily mundane, we get up, we go to work, we, and the practice of God consciousness in that context, and then what happens in a more particular way, in a more dramatic way. And for, actually, the challenge is more on a day-to-day basis, I think, because it's so easy to get into habit and into, oh, well, this is just what I do, and not remembering that it's all, really, about God. And there's a wonderful chapter in The Promise of Immortality on a particular topic, chapter 19. And if you can find it, get a hold of it, it's probably out of print, but but do read it. It covers a lot 
on this topic, and I'll pull a few things out of it to mention. Uh, In one way, one thing that we need to do to develop a regular habit and ability to have God's presence with us all the time is to be non-attached. We really can't be reacting to the world around us, either in a good way or in a bad way. Things that happen to us, we have to be a little withdrawn from and and non-attached to. If they're good, wonderful. If they're bad, that's fine too. We just accept them as they are, for what they are. And in that way, we enter into that vibration of the divine consciousness. If we're reacting, we're restless. We're stirring up just a lot of energy. And we're not able to perceive and really experience that divine within us. And so that would be a one step, to be non-attached. And we talk about non-attachment all the time here, but still to apply it in that particular way of not not reacting. And the second is to really be aware of, be focused on God's presence. You know, all of this, you think, well, remembering God, yes, you know, Japa, just Om Guru, Om Guru. But it has to be very dynamic. Otherwise, it won't happen. The, the amount of energy that we put out to do what we need to do in our work will overwhelm it if it's not dynamic enough. And so we need to be aware of God's presence and to be practicing God's presence in a dynamic way. And as I'm describing this, you can tell it's an art. It's really, it's not easy to continue to do what you do outwardly in the way of working at the computer or making copies or whatever you need to do and yet maintain that flow of the divine consciousness within. And the last part that's very, very important is not only to be aware of God's presence, to be focused on God, but to have a sense of inner communion with that divine. And so that's even more subtle and more uh, asking of us to do even more in that way. But um, Swami Kriyananda, in this particular chapter, he says, for one thing, to really practice the presence of God, you have to, and this goes along with um, being non-attached, you have to be able to accept reality as it is. And not to uh, push it away, like, oh, I'm doing this job, but I wish I didn't have to. Or... um, you know, I'm doing this job and, oh, I just love it so much. But really just accepting reality for what it is and not also, there's certain qualities in all of this that are subtle. And so accepting it for what it is, not pushing it away, but not seizing on it and saying, I must do this. It has tension in it. And we really need to be able to act without tension in a flow that is truly divine. We can experience that in meditation, but the trick is to bring it into outward activity. And then to continue that on, 
by japa, by om guru, but, but so that it's dynamic. And for each of us, this will happen in different ways. We'll have different experiences. We have different kinds of service we do, different kinds of jobs. But I can share with you a few of the ways that I've found that happening. And this was really being aware, and again, not perfect, but, but still being aware of God's presence within uh, running the market. You know, I remember when I first came here, I was so thrilled to have something to actually do to improve myself and to feel that presence of the divine. And so, and a lot of the people around me were into that too. It was practice. And so really feeling that as you would go throughout the day. One of the things for me in running the market, which was crazy, it was very restless and busy and people and all that, but the kicker was there was only one phone at that time. And it was right there at the market where it would just start ringing. And the significance of the one phone was that somebody, usually from the publications building where there was one phone, was trying to reach someone, someone, somewhere at the farm. (laughs) So, you know, could be in the garden, could be in the pool, could be in the market, could be anywhere. But if you picked up the phone then you got to go and find them, you know, and and deal with that. So when the phone rang, it was always like, no. (laughs) Because who was there? The people in the market, of course. That way we were trapped there with the phone. (laughs) But, uh, But I realized, hey, that's a great way just to loosen up, just to loosen up. When the phone rings, answer it. Just deal with it. Go out and find the person. Be done with it. Don't. I know there's the common sense part and we need to mix that in of, you know, can I leave right now and maybe I ask someone else to do that. Of course you do that. It's common sense. But you don't simply get into the habit of blocking the energy. And then other places where, and so it was a great way to practice and to really feel that consciousness come in and to be part of that. Uh, to be a, a channel for that. And then another part was, oh, I think doing accounting. And then another part was working in the print shop. Oh, and another part was working at the rice dryer in Gridley, California. Now, that was really an interesting experience. And it was great because, again, the, the contrasts were very great. And I could really feel... Why would I want to be working in a rice dryer in Gridley with people who were very nice, but we had nothing in common? So I just simply called on Master, worked as a channel for that, was really nice to all the people, cleaned the bathroom for them, just, you know, the truck drivers would come in to get the rice. It was, it was actually interesting, and it was actually great. But again, just getting into accepting reality as it is not liking or disliking, but just as it is, and then really dynamically serving and feel that divine presence serving through you. The other part when I began going out from Ananda Village was living in San Francisco. And it was a huge, this is one of the more dramatic parts, it was a huge change 
But I have to say, it was really wonderful because again, it was so, such a change and so demanding that you had to put out the energy to call on God and to feel Master's blessing and His power flowing through you to be able to do it. And so that was dynamic as well and very, very sweet. I remember uh, times of just, you know, doing classes, doing Sunday service, and then afterwards I just go out, pull the hood up on my coat, it was usually cold there, and go into seclusion, walking down the streets. I just sing and just be alone, but be alone with God and and feel that really dynamic presence. Again, it's a mixed thing. That whole time that I was in San Francisco doing these other jobs, it was always mixed. I'd forget a lot of the time. But when it happened, it was very sweet and very... I've never forgotten it. Never forgotten it. The other... The one last time that I'll share with you, which was really more recent and really fun, was when I started work with the Jonica Foundation. Again, a big change, very different from what I'd done in the last 20 years or so. And um, I needed to get training to be able to do it in the right way. Excuse me. So... A month or two after I started that job, which was working with estate planning, and I didn't know anything about it, I thought, well, okay, I've got to have some training. So I looked online, found the really good school um, that we'd all used for fundraising of different kinds, and sure enough, they had a planned giving program. But it was in Chicago, and I thought, oh, I don't want to go to Chicago, but it's the right time, I really need to do it, let's just do it. So I made the reservation, went... And again, I always think back fondly on that time of going to one of the most intense seminars I've ever been to in my life. Um, But everybody else there was in the same place. They were all new and trying to learn something about plan giving. But it was so sweet because it was extremely focused. I had to put my whole mind on to get whatever I could out of that seminar. And then afterwards... I'd just shoot out of that room, down the street, and go for a walk in Chicago on one of the big, busy shopping areas, and and then come back and have dinner and pretty much meditate and go to bed and get up the next day. Three days of intensity. And during, but it was, again, when you're in those times, if you can get in the flow of being centered in the divine, then that sweetness comes, and it will come in the most unusual situations, wherever you happen to be, and whatever you happen to need to do. So always remember that. Um, It's a very uh, challenging thing to be God-centered. I was thinking also that it really is why Ananda here and Ananda everywhere, where people, and Ananda's spiritual family throughout the world, where people are really sincerely and deeply practicing God consciousness, that's what people feel when they come here. 
And it is an incredible gift that we have to give to people. No matter how good or bad we are at it, it's still a focus. And it's very um, dynamically felt by people. I wanted to read uh, something here that was from that chapter uh, in The Promise of Immortality that Swami Kriyananda wrote on this topic. To serve God with the right attitude is purifying for us. It opens the heart. Excuse me. It opens the heart to divine love and en- enables that love to flow out to others, changing their lives. And so, for all of us, it's important that we do this for our own spiritual growth. It's essential. We will not realize God unless we feel God's presence with us. And more and more and more. It's just part of how it works. But also, in the process of doing that, we act, all of us, each of us, in whatever way we're serving, we act as channels for that divine to anybody who happens to come our way. You know, it's one of the great gifts that I feel... Swami Kriyananda has given to us, and he would emphasize this a lot, that it really doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're the president, if you're the janitor, if you're teaching, if you're cooking, whatever you're doing, it doesn't really matter. It's a great leveler and a great um, ego-loosening concept to work with. And to really understand that throughout a community like this, that's what ties us all together, is that we're all in this together. Some people speak at a Sunday service, some people cook in the kitchen, other people have families and children. It really doesn't matter. And you know, I, I have to say for me, one of the times when I was blessed to kind of tune into this more. For a period of time, about six months, I filled in as Swami's secretary. This was many years ago. But uh, it, w- it wasn't easy. I'm not a, I'm not a natural secretary. But, uh, but I did it. It was needed. Someone else needed to do something else for a while. But what it left me with, because it was the correspondence, and it was seeing how people wrote to Swami and how open they were. And it left me with a feeling of great humility and uh, also really deep appreciation for how sincere every single person was that wrote to him. And it was really just amazing, uh, great compassion for people that we're all trying, we're all doing our best, and it really does matter to all of us. So in the um, idea of really developing, and do take it seriously, developing that feeling of God's presence with you in everything you do, as much as you can, in every moment, meditating, acting, whatever, because it will change you and it will also change everyone that you meet. They will feel that. And the other 
one other thing is that in a place like this, a village, and also throughout your life, if you find examples of people who you can feel have that more, more than you do, draw from them. Really be aware of that. Um, because it, it helps. It's a vibration and a consciousness as well as a practice. And uh, it will help a lot. I'd like to just close by the beautiful lines from the Bhagavad Gita of Lord Krishna to Arjuna. He who sees me everywhere, him do I see. He never loses sight of me, nor do I lose sight of him through all eternity. <laughs> 